Radio MD. RadioMD.com. Hear it from the doctor with expert guests from the American Academy of Pediatrics. It's Healthy Children. Now, our favorite mom, Melanie Cole, MS. If you have kids, you know how difficult and uncertain the last bunch of years has been. And with social media being so prevalent and playing such a big picture in everything that we see, hear, learn, get sad about, get angry about, get happy about, all of these things seem to come at us with social media. But if you have kids, you wonder how much influence is it having on them and how much accessibility should we be allowing them to have? And I guess it is really based on their age. Joining me today is Dr. Donald Schifrin. He's a clinical professor of pediatrics at the University of Washington School of Medicine, an excellent guest on healthy children and a spokesperson for the American Academy of Pediatrics. Dr. Schifrin, it's a pleasure to have you joining us again. So first, let me ask you what's what's happening in your opinion with kids in the digital world. Is this making them more smart, more worldly? Is this a positive thing? What are we seeing? Well, thank you for having me, uh, Melanie. Uh, I think the first thing I want to say is that uh, we we have a double-edged sword when it comes to media. We we have to understand now that we are swimming in media daily. Uh, We have a tsunami of information coming at us. And really, If you think about the one word I would describe our current situation in America is uh, this disruption in all our lives, it's we're being overwhelmed. Uh, We have multiple pandemics coming at us at once, the pandemic of coronavirus, the infodemic of information and misinformation, and, you know, the parenting pandemic, too, with kids at home having to learn and having what I call not only an economic recession, but a social recession. These children, especially teenagers, have lost everything in their lives. Sports, activities, um, meeting their friends, going to school, um, connecting with their peers. And the only way that they can accomplish this now is online. So we used to say that parents especially have two lives, our online life, which uh, now is at home and working at home uh, online. And our offline life, which is with our friends, children have blurred this. Their online life and offline life are the same now. And so we have to be cognizant of the fact that because they are online all the time, where do parents intervene and how can parents intervene in an educational and, shall we say, safe way and not take away something that youngsters really thrive on? For instance, there's stories of youngsters whose grandparents have passed away, and the only way they they can mitigate their grief is to go online with their friends, uh, play games, to try again and mitigate grief that they have about their grandparents, or let's say a dog that uh, suddenly passes away. So we have a double-edged sword, the positive and the negative messages that the media are sending to children every day, and parents... uh, as I like to say, are are the children's first responders. It's up to us to be the adult in the room, helping children find a way to process all this information and experience that's coming at them. So parents now have to be what I call truth filters. They have to be available. They have to be askable. They have to be credible. And lastly, they have to be believable. And that's that's a very difficult task when parents are also pulled in different directions 
by one, two, and three children in the household, each one of them having difficult emotional experiences um, depending on their ages. So it is a terribly difficult task for parents right now. But again, they have to be the adults in the room. We definitely do. Do you think it is an opportunity for us, as it has been in my personal household, but of course my kids are 18 and almost 21, so this has been an opportunity to get them engaged in everything from politics to the pandemic to global situations, getting them involved and engaged in discussion about these things. Is this that opportunity? And where do littler kids come into that picture? Well, parents, uh, whether or not we're in a recession, uh, have an opportunity to create what we call teachable moments, askable moments, available moments. And this is certainly an available moment. We have to understand that these are courageous conversations we have to have with our children. Um, Usually, again, under the age of seven, maybe not so much, depending on what they see and what images they're looking at and how disturbing those images are. Don't be afraid to talk with your children. Don't avoid the topic. Don't hide from the topic, again, but be age appropriate because fear increases, uncertainty increases um, if no one is going to talk to you about what they're seeing or hearing. And remember, children are seeing and hearing a lot. Even eight and nine-year-olds will tell you that they get all of their news from social media, whether it's TikTok, uh, whether it's YouTube, uh, they're hearing and seeing what is going on, especially what happened at the Capitol. So we have to ask children in a courageous way, what did you see? What did you hear? What did you think? How did you feel about that? And validate that those images are disturbing and sometimes scary. But Again, especially for younger children, the reassurance of the routine of the house and that they are there, parents are there, to make sure children are safe. So how do we know if they're going to be perusing social media? Now, my kids found out a lot about, you know, the pandemic and about the riots, about all these different things via Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, you know, Snapchat where their friends are discussing it, but you can't see it five seconds later because it disappears. So what do we trust? And do we, as parents, do we look at what they're looking at and say, okay, that's not trustworthy. That's not, well, that is, it's from the Associated Press or that's Reuters. Yeah, go ahead. How do we sort of sort through all of the noise? Well, that's a great question and a question that we're continually trying to solve with uh, with youngsters, because, again, on the Internet, uh, as as we know, based on the fact that uh, there are some political figures whose names I won't mention that have been banned from social media because of, shall we say, disturbing um, fictions and discussing with children the difference between a lie and fiction is very important. A lie is something that someone tells you knowing that it's not the truth, but trying to deceive you. A fiction is something that someone tells you thinking, I I really want to believe this. I don't think it's a lie. And I want you to believe it too. One of the fictions that we tell youngsters when they're young, which is basically a fiction is there is a Santa Claus. We want to believe that we want them to believe that. But that's different than saying that perhaps an election was a fraud. So I think, again, the fact that youngsters are not media literate uh, is very important. And it's important for parents to understand what media literacy is. 
the ability to take a message that's broadcast to you through radio, television, newspapers, magazines, TikTok, keep going, and say, who sent this message? Who is the audience for this message? What is missing from this message? Who's benefiting by this message? And why are they benefiting and how they are benefiting? Is it economic? Is it power? Is it dissent? Um, what is the benefit of this message? And to say to youngsters, how do we identify if the message is authentic? There's a, there's a wonderful mnemonic that we can teach our children called, forgive me for this term, CRAP. CRAP stands for currency, reliability, authority, and purpose. The currency is how recent is this information? How reliable is this, is this information? In other words, can it be confirmed by other sources like Snopes, CDC, FDA, um, going to actual real sources in the media, perhaps New York Times, uh, perhaps the Washington Post? Again, r relatively normal uh places that we would identify media. Who wrote the information? Who's the authority that's writing this? In other words, is this somebody from Des Moines, Iowa, that's just on the internet writing, or is it somebody with credentials? And what was the purpose, the, the last of the CRAP as purpose? Why was it written? Was it written to sway your opinion? Was it written to sell something? Is it written to bias you towards a particular point of view? So there's a, a wonderful uh, place called RebootFoundation.org, which has wonderful tutorials for parents, I might add, talking about how to, how to get certain ages to identify media and be more literate. And that's really a skill that 21st century children have got to have because they're going to grow up online. Again, growing up digital is what's happening from the age of one and two now. So children are growing up digital. We can't do anything about it. They're going to live their lives online. We have to give them tutorials on how to do it. Well, I think you're 100% right. And what if they are reading the wrong stuff or getting bad information? How do we correct that? I mean, people are talking about deprogramming, people that are feeling certain ways, people are talking about, what if it's one of your kids? I know somebody who's going through this right now, and they do not know what to do because their friend, their their child is believing things their friends are telling them that happen to have different beliefs than the parents. And so what do you do, especially if, if, if the parent knows that what the kid is learning is false? That's, a, again, a wonderful question, a difficult answer, but parents have got to understand that logic does not change the minds of someone who has a belief system. So one of the things we often tell people is, if your child is, shall we say, espousing views that you know to be false, there's misinformation and there's disinformation, just telling them that that's false is not going to really shake their belief. What you need to do is validate them. Say, I hear you. What I hear you saying, and I'm going to repeat it, is that blanking, 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 blanking. Now, tell me where you got that information because I really want to understand why you believe that. So tell me where you got that information, and let's look at this closely. I want you to convince me, because I'm not really convinced about this, but convince me with your information that's credible why this is true. 
So you can do that with uh, tweens and teens. With seven and eight-year-olds, sometimes you have to say, honey, I know that you think that's true, but let's look at some things on a different, in a different way. So you can sway them perhaps a little easier. But the teens and tweens dig in because remember, the whole point of being a teenager is to create your own independent persona, which means I don't want to be my parents. That certainly is true. And, and I agree with you. While we can affect them and have an effect on them, we can't completely, you know, decide how they're going to feel about certain things. So before we wrap up, what do you feel is the most important message right now for parents, Dr. Don, about social media? and what we're hearing in the news, and the pandemic, and everything that's been going on for, I don't know, the last four years, and talking to our kids about it, maybe even using some of it to teach empathy and compassion, because we've seen quite a lack of that. So how can we utilize all of this? Put it together for us, Dr. Don Schifrin, with your best advice. Well, my advice is that we're all under threat. Our emotions are under threat, our, our parenting decisions are fraught with anxiety and guilt and more uncertainty, um, what kinds of risk we're willing to take for ourselves, for our children, for our community. Can we even visualize a reasonable course of action right now when we're unsure of, of even how much risk is even safe uh, going out? So in, in terms of weighing the almost impossible educational and emotional and psychological needs of our children, we have to first, and my first piece of hopefully guidance for parents is self-care. Take care of yourself. And when you take care of yourself and set that model for your children, a model of resilience and hope, I'm going to move, I'm going to eat, I'm going to sleep and recharge. And when I recharge, that means I'm going to recharge my devices somewhere else as well. I'm going to find activities that perhaps don't involve any digital device. Um, because again, that flexibility, that adaptability is one of the prime ingredients in resilience, one of the prime ingredients. So recharging yourself is important to recharge your children because children are the mirrors by which we see ourselves. When our children are anxious, when our children are fearful, when our children are uncertainty, that's when we need to be calm and we need to understand that we are the doors that kids will walk through on their way into the world. Now, we're, the paradox here is although we're the most anxious species around, we're also the most capable, resourceful, and resilient. We're really good at adaptation. And I have confidence that parents can stay present in this crisis and maintain their ability to provide not only the physical safety, but the emotional security for their family. I agree 100%. So I think that I think the the last thing is that create hope for your family. Create that hope saying I know things are hard now. It's scary out there, but we're going to do the best we can as a family to survive this and come out the other side because there is hope. We have a vaccine, we have a way to identify how we're going to get out of this pandemic and when it comes to looking at political information on the web. Again, provide hope, but also find the good. Find good stories. Make good stories. Help your neighbors. Find a way to contribute to the community. Again, parents are 
primary, the role models, and what children see is going on with the world is reflected in the eyes and the faces of their parents. So I don't want to underestimate the parental strengths here, because I know every parent has that inner strength to be their child's champion. And it is not an easy task, especially when they're facing uncertainties about finances, uncertainties about illness, when they're going to get the vaccine, when we'll be able to see our grandparents again. It's very, very difficult out there. And again, I want to give credit to parents who are really just trying to survive and asking good questions. And when all else fails, if things are going poorly at home with your children, they're not eating, they're not sleeping, their behaviors are erratic, they're spending hours and hours hold up in their room playing video games, call your pediatrician. That person can be helpful as well. 100% absolutely true. And it's a good, I'm glad that you brought out the point of, of some red flags and calling your pediatrician if your kids are having trouble dealing with all of this because it's hard for anyone. It's a lot for anyone and for kids that have their own self-esteem, insecurities, all of those things, it's definitely even more challenging. Thank you so much, Dr. Schifrin, for joining us. You're a great guest as always. You're listening to Healthy Children, where all of our expert guests are provided by the American Academy of Pediatrics in conjunction with their consumer website, healthychildren.org. You can listen on Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Play. But of course, we would like you to listen at radiomd.com and be sure to share this show on on your social channels with your friends and family because we're learning from the experts at AAP together. They are the gold standard. They're helping us raise our kids and raise them safely. Share this show because it can really help to get those conversations started. I'm Melanie Cole for Radio MD and the American Academy of Pediatrics. Stay well.